Hello and welcome to episode two of the Old Dog Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I am your host, Joe Spinell. And before we get into the official introduction of episode two, I just want to take a moment to say uh, thank you so much for the people that have taken the time to listen to episode one, uh, visit our website or Facebook page. As some of you know, there were some issues with uploading their our episode one to iTunes, there's usually a little bit of a lag for whatever reason with our first episode, there's about a five day lag. And in the interim of that, I I did have the podcast up on the website. And so I don't know how many people actually listened or downloaded it from the website, but I know that we had way more traffic than I was ever expecting. Um, At one point, I know that we were at 300. I know it's greater than that now. I haven't looked at the exact numbers. I don't even think I know 300 people. So um, obviously, um, people are telling other people, and I wanted to give my deepest thanks to my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brothers and sisters out there who um, have been passing this along. I know I need to give a big thank you to some of the nurses that I work with in the emergency department, greatest nurses in the world. Um, No interest in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, most likely, (laughs) but still take the time to visit the website and I think listen at least to a few minutes of the podcast and it's uh, just an an amazing amount of support and that was never really our intent. Uh, The intent was really just to touch those people closest around us and uh, it's still not to necessarily reach a lot of people, just reach the people closest to us. So a big thank you and I know from this point going forward, I hope that the, the podcasts are uploading to iTunes a little faster. In either case, uh, this week I have a good friend of mine, uh, training partner for a few years now, uh, Coach Anthony. Uh, Coach Anthony, I originally met over at uh, Gracie Baja Franklin, where we started training together, and uh, we are now both at the Spring Hill location. He just recently, in fact, yesterday, uh, received his purple belt, and um, we had a few things that we wanted to talk about in regards to this week's blog, uh, the the beauty of suffering, <laughs> the beauty of the grind of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and we get into that and some other subjects, and uh, just it was a good conversation, and I really hope you guys enjoy it, and a big thank you again, um, just for tuning in and listening and for everyone's support. So here we go, episode two of the Old Dog Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe. Welcome to the Old Dog Podcast, Old Dog Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. And I am very happy today I have a special guest with me. Um, that's Coach Anthony from the Gracie Baja Spring Hill location. Hey, hey Anthony, man, thanks so much okay. for uh, spending some time today. Um, you have a different look to you today. You got a little spring in your step. What, what happened yesterday? It was a special day, right? Yeah, a special day for both of us, really. Um, you know, getting the, uh, the belt promotions, uh, yeah. fresh purple belt. Yeah. So it's nice. Uh, new superpowers, as uh, some people would say. <laughs> Did you sleep so, with your belt on? Or? <laughs> actually, uh, my daughter tried to take it from me. So um, <laughs> she thought, ooh, new shiny new belt, it was hers. So um, I tried to keep that away from her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we should have done the expectations <laughs> podcast this week. Um, instead of the previous week because yeah. nothing hits you harder than putting on that belt and then having those expectations yeah. of no matter how much you could preach back and forth that you know um 
Well, I'm a little older. I'm a lot older than where, if you don't mind. No, telling yeah, her, uh, I'm, I'm 32. Yeah, so so yeah. you're in the masters. So you you yes. officially can be on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you kind of take that. You know, I'm I'm 45 now, and I've got back issues, and you you know you, you say ah, I'm training just to train, but man, you get that belt, you're just like, oh man. Yeah, it's, it's this is a whole different level now. Yeah, it's something. That's what I told a professor yesterday. It's, yeah. uh, he said, "Oh, do you, do you feel different?" Or yeah. you know, I said, "I mean, it hasn't really hit me yet, but it, there is a layer of expectations yeah. uh, that come with that." So, yeah, different different color fabric, but it, it's definitely you know, it's it's a next level. Yeah, so. he he whisked was when he was when he was tying on my belt. He had whispered something to me about feel that like and i thought he was talking about like the quality of the belt I'm like oh it's a nice belt thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like no no feel how heavy it is yeah and, and then it sunk in because i was so surprised i was so surprised yeah. everything was kind of i i was and i was a little sleep deprived because sure. i was just yeah. coming off my overnights right, right. so i'm like huh what oh okay i get it you're right yeah and it is because you i've always been and i see this i don't know if you see this in your you want to tell everybody, you have two children. You got... Yes, I've got two children. I've got a daughter who will be three in December, uh, Sophia, and then I have Vincent, our son. He's uh, he's 14 months, about to be 15 months old. So, I don't know if she's at the age yet, but I know with my two oldest, I wouldn't say so much with my youngest, mm-hmm. but there is this desire not to disappoint. Oh, indeed. Indeed. I 100% still have that as an adult. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it so much at work. Cause I kind of do my thing at work and, and especially in my realm, you, you can't give, you can't care too much cause then you start doing the wrong things. I kind of just, I know it's right for the patient. I do what I do. Um, but I certainly think that about my wife. I really care what she thinks. Um, uh, and those people around me, my training partners and as much as we shouldn't, cause we think of ourselves being adults and not having, <laughs> you know, I don't care what people think. I think it's the biggest right. bunch of bullshit it ever. Is, it's it like, is, Oh, yeah. as soon as somebody <laughs> says, I'm going to fuck what nobody thinks. It's just like, no, you, you definitely do. Cause you just met, you just said that. Yeah. And so you have this like, man, I don't, I, I don't want to disappoint. I don't like, first of all, you never feel like you're ready for whatever you get if you do you're probably a narcissist right yeah, i would agree with that i was actually gonna throw that point i was like not to name names of anybody i know but there are people that I, the more often than not when they say that or they, they try to preach they live that lifestyle i don't care what other people think they generally want to prove themselves the most right and it's just they're lying to themselves when they say that because that nobody wants to disappoint you yeah know, you, that's human nature you want to you want to succeed you want everybody to be proud of you and even if you don't, you're not one of those people that need somebody to give you a pat on the back. Not everybody needs that. Not everybody needs you to say like, great job, Anthony. You yeah. Did a good job on your purple belt. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I want to hear that. You'd like to hear that. But by, in this sense, in jujitsu, obviously you've proven your worth to somebody because they, they think you deserve that. And like you said, that goes back to wife, kids, whatever. You yeah. Want. You definitely yeah. want them to, uh, to be proud of you and, and to respect you. And, exactly. and you don't want to disappoint. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, there's there's that. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, even in the workplace, I've found that the people that, when they get a promotion, when they feel like, well, that was about goddamn time, uh, you probably don't. It's the guys that I that come up to me, whatever promotion it may be, and they say, oh, man, I'm not ready for that. And I say, yep, perfect, you're ready. Yeah. You're perfect. That, that's fantastic, because if you thought you were ready for this new position... Mm, something would be majorly wrong. Without a doubt. Uh, there was a guy that um, uh, I trained with, at, um, I guess it was over Franklin, and uh, he, he had said that. He was like, yeah, I'm just not ready for my next belt. 
And uh, I think he got his belt after uh, I'd left there and came over to Spring Hill. Um, I think he moved up to Brownville. So, uh, but it's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, you, he's a good guy. You yeah. can roll with him. You know he's ready. But it's one of those like, I'm, I'm cool with where I'm at kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, but. Well, when Jackson got his orange belt, he was in the back and he almost seemed like he was um, a little beside himself. Right. And because he's like, I thought I was supposed to get an orange belt with a white thing through the middle. This is too much. This is, and I'm yeah. explaining to him, it doesn't matter. Orange is, this is what your professor thinks, whatever. Sure. And he's like, I don't know. And professor comes back there and he's like, you need to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You need to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So we get in the car yesterday and I, I told Jackson, I, I didn't see that coming, man. I, I, I really didn't. And I mean, I don't know. He's like, first, it's not your decision. He's all these things. He's he's like, it's not your decision. And it's good to be uncomfortable. And you know, it's good. It is. And I think in any job or any promotion, if you're not feeling uncomfortable, um, you got something wrong with your brain. Sure. So did you celebrate last night or do anything special? Or man, I'll I'll be honest with you. First thing is, I went to the Baja Fit, uh, which Coach Carla does. on Saturdays it's nine a.m. And uh, it's usually just ladies that, that do that. And for whatever reason, I don't know, the guys don't go to that. And uh, I was talking to, to one of the girls, Jennifer, and I said, you know, I'll try and join you guys uh, Saturday because I didn't do anything this week. I made yeah. it Monday, GB1, nobody was there for GB2. It was like, it was a really slow week. And okay. I was like, I need to go do something. So I went, 9 a.m., those girls killed me. Yeah. It was absolutely just... Well, I mean, the, the, I think the program, I know through the ICP the instructor certification program, they talk about the Baja Fit. I don't know if you've gotten that far in that program. I've not. I'm working a little It's there. based, it's, it almost reminds me of the old killer warmups. Yeah. yeah in yeah. the, you know, back in the day when you yeah. would train that everybody would want to skip. Yes. And we're not talking for you guys that are familiar with the, the Gracie Baja warmup. We're not talking about the jumping jacks, the pushups and the sit-ups. We're talking about the old school Machado, 30 minute long plyometrics, animal intent you know imitating like yeah. like circuit training like crossfit type stuff before it was even out there so if you guys want to jump on youtube and look at old gracie warm-ups crazy i think machado might have one on out there and it's nuts oh, it's and, and i yeah. think that's a lot of what the gracie baja fit is based off of at least yeah. that's what's if i if i remember my readings on it correctly um but yeah so but yeah, I went there at 9 a.m., did that. They killed me for an hour. It was like, run, you do some strikes, you army crawl back to the other side of the mat. I'm like, oh, man, we're doing army crawls. This is great. Yeah. And then 25 minutes into it, I'm like, ah, I think my gas tank's a little low. <laughs> I, I overestimated that. So I was tired from the day, and uh, last night we just we hung out, watched a movie. And oh, that's like, cool. Going to bed at 1030. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I had to go to, uh, to, I'm doing overnight, so I went to work last night with nobody except for Luke. One of our yeah. training partners yeah. that really understands anything. Sure. So you want to tell everybody like, oh man, this is an awesome day. I got promoted. I'm so excited. But I'm yeah. so scared at the same time. Right. And, and, and it's like, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> they don't understand. They're, they're like, do you play karate? Because yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. they still have in their mind the little strip mall karate school. So yeah. you don't, yeah, I don't even mention anything to anybody. That's my favorite thing. Some people you tell me do like, yeah, I do jujitsu. And they do the karate, like wave the hands. Oh, it's it takes the fuck like, out of me. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I, I don't even that. describe it anymore when somebody will come up and it's like, oh, I hear you do jujitsu. Yeah. What is it like? I'm like, well, it's kind of it's like wrestling. Yeah, that's that's generally, I say it's just grappling. There's no punches, there's no kicks. Like, yeah. It's the easiest way to, 
to tell people, give them money. Because they instantly take the karate stance when they start talking to they you. They do. They really do. It is so bad. <laughs> well, hey, we um, I, I think it is. Is it next week? We got some pretty big fights coming up, uh, taking yeah, place in Abu Dhabi. Yep. Um, the headline card is Khabib versus Poye. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that fight? I think it's going to be an excellent fight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Dustin does under pressure. Um, yeah. And his stand-up game is great. I think, let's see, he's, what, on a four-fight four win streak? Um, five if you don't count the Eddie Alvarez no contest from when yep. uh, Eddie uh, need him. So, which he went back and beat Eddie the second yep. time around. Um, so, he's he's on that monster streak. He's kind of has, in the same sense that I, when you watched uh, Max Holloway, you know, after McGregor beat him, he went through this tear. And I don't know, I don't have the, the numbers, but Max is on like a 14 fight win streak. Oh, something nuts in his weight class. Yeah. In his weight class. Yeah. Outside of the Poirier loss, he hasn't lost, I don't know if it's been since McGregor. I think right. that might have been his last loss. So Poirier's kind of on that same thing. He found his groove and, you know, he's really good on the feet. And, and he has an awesome head coach. Yeah, he does. He does, for sure. Mike Brown yeah. from American Top American Team. Top so team. He, he definitely has a team that's going to prepare him well. Yeah. It's I guess the biggest question for me is will he be able to neutralize the wrestling of Khabib? Yes. That is and I don't, has he, do you, can you, I don't know anybody he's faced that's even in that same realm wrestling wise. Who's in Khabib? No, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Not I mean, really anybody. Khabib's number one thing that he does is he laces those legs up, yeah. sits on your knees, and just pounds you. And I think we've, have we rolled before where I'm like, here's the Khabib or you yeah. said it. I think yes. we even use, we, we have now yeah. talked about lacing the legs in that yeah. Sunkaku, that triangle position yes. as the Khabib. That's the Khabib. I mean, it's really, he's, he's made it his, his weapon. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and the jujitsu wrestling or something like that, it's a little bit different effectiveness because right. you're not worried about strikes. But when you got a guy punching you in the face, you're not really worried about pushing that knee off and trying to clear you know, clear your legs out. So yeah. if, you know, if I lace you up, you lace me up in jiu-jitsu, there's a better chance of you getting out of that. But if I'm punching you in the face, there's... It's tough. It's really tough. It's a tough position to be in. I would say that po- Poye's team goes to the... Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. It slips... Uh, um, guy from New York from uh, Matt Sarah's team. Uh, uh, he sells real estate. Uh, <laughs> no, not wide. Oh, oh, uh, um uh, Al Iaquinta. Oh, Iaquinta. They yeah, probably go back yes. to the Iaquinta match with yeah. Khabib and kind of dissect his striking with Khabib. I, yes. I bet you that's one of the things they end up doing. Um, you know, because you, cause you take somebody like Barbosa and that fight with Khabib really didn't go anywhere. Somehow Al, through his toughness, through something that he did, and I haven't gone back to watch the fights because I, I do love striking and I like striking strategies and I like to see how certain people are more effective than other folks. Yeah. Um, how they make uh, their deficiencies maybe work. Somebody like DC, we talked about this last week, right. who's not really tall, doesn't have a long reach, but somehow can always win that inside space. Yes. Um, there's no doubt that Iaquinta did something pretty effective against Khabib to a certain extent. And I wouldn't be surprised if their coaches take a look at that and try to dissect what worked well right. and maybe try to reproduce that. So the only thing I think in the uh, Iaquinta fight, and it's been a minute since I've watched it, so my memory could be a little hazy, but I really felt like Khabib kind of used that as like training for his stand-up with He said that. Yeah. I don't know if he said it specifically true um, for stand-up, but he said something to the effect, if I remember correctly, 
that he wanted to drag it out. He wanted to get some training in. Yeah. It wasn't that something that he wanted to end. And, you know, somebody can look at that and say bullshit. That happens a, it used to happen a lot in boxing, kickboxing. Sure. We would tell guys, listen, we know you're... Because the error for... The room for error in boxing, kickboxing is um, much greater than it is in MMA. Right. Yeah. You know, because you got such thick gloves. I mean, you have smaller gloves in MMA. There's very little room for, for error in MMA. So I've heard that strategy used in kickboxing and boxing. I've never really heard it used in MMA. It's usually you want to keep the longevity to yourself. Yeah. and that's you know, a huge gamble in MMA. It is. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, but I've also heard the guy's never even lost a round in the gym. How true that is, I don't know. Sure. He's going to be one of those guys years from now, people are going to have these legends. He's going to be like the Dan Gable of MMA. What There's going to be like... <laughs> 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 uh, so, Great analogy. Um, so speaking of Dan Gable, you actually started, did you start your martial arts training in wrestling? Yes. I mean, was that your kind of, yeah. kind of tell us about like where you started and where you're at now. Sure. Yeah. So I started wrestling in, in grade school. Um, as a kid growing up, I did WWF, well, excuse me, WWE now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, WCW, what was then the WWF, um, uh, Steve Borden Sting. Yeah. That was like the guy as a kid. It was like, he had that, uh, Scorpion death lock or yeah. it was kind of like <laughs> Ric Flair in his figure four. I was like, oh man, you can lock somebody's legs up like that and put them in a world of hurt. That's amazing. So, you know, I grew up with uh, me and my cousin just beating each other up all the time, or cousins rather. Um, and, you know, I got into to wrestling and absolutely loved it. Um, it was one of those, like, that wasn't the greatest wrestler. I understood the concepts, yeah. but it's one of those you get in a match, and I probably lost more than I won, being honest, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, I wrestled. And, and were you here in... You didn't grow up here in Tennessee. So I grew up in the Carolinas and Tennessee. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so, oh, that's right, that's yeah, right. Okay. My, my family kind of moved around. Yeah. Like, mom and dad, you know, moved to, to whatever, took the, the better job, um, you know, to, to better our family. So, okay. Yeah, Carolinas, Tennessee, we lived... I think for a month in Jackson, Mississippi. So, <laughs> was it during place. the summertime? Oh, it was. That oh, okay. Was the worst place I've ever lived in my life. I hear that a lot from people that have been in Jackson. It's a military base there, right? <sighs> to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I was, for one reason or another, I've talked to quite a few people from there. Yeah. That have had small stints there, and they don't really say it's a place I want to yeah. return. No to. offense, anybody lives in Jackson, Mississippi. That might be <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it wasn't for me. We'll put it that way. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So long story short, we. Uh, we moved around and, and I wrestled in uh, my high school years through uh, South Carolina. Okay. Um, so wrestled there and then um, moved back to Tennessee once I graduated. And I didn't do the traditional college route. I went to a tech college, so I didn't get that, that chance to, to okay. wrestle in college, unfortunately. Um, and then I found uh, jujitsu in 2013. Um, was, where was this at? So that was at what what is now Gracie Baja Murfreesboro. Um, so that's... Okay. Before uh, Professor Mike West got down there, which uh, shout out, you're my boy Blue, but uh, <laughs> he uh, he started uh, a gym and it was called uh, Arts of the Gehad. However, you say Art of War in Portuguese. Um, of course, oh, very terrible. So okay. apologies. Um, and that was in um, a place called the Ascent. It was a rock climbing. Rock climbing place and, the, and then CrossFit and then Jiu Jitsu. So we had our own little like space within this. But it was located in Murfreesboro. It was in Murfreesboro. Okay. And then at that point, he ended up uh, turning it into a Gracie Baja school. And then from there, it is what it is now. Okay. Uh, we, we moved 
to one spot at Stone River Mall, moved into another spot at Stone River Mall, and he's been there for several years. So did you go by there a few times, think about signing up, not signing up, think about so, signing up? How did, did you have a friend that brought you? Sure. So 2005 was, uh, I believe that was the Ultimate Fighter 1. That's what kind of got me into jiu-jitsu. I was okay. like, oh, there's something other than wrestling. I sat on that for years. Like, I'd watch it, and I'm like, oh, I want to do this. But it's one of those, like, I never pulled the trigger. There was a, there was a Groupon... Um, that I saw and I was like, yeah, oh, <laughs> you might try jiu-jitsu for like 25 bucks. And I was like, you know. 25 bucks? 25 bucks. That's a steal. Like, There's no reason not to do this. Like, why would I not try it? So right. I go over there, I meet with a guy. I actually ended up knowing uh, the guy that was uh, one of the training guys and one of the coaches. And uh, so it's like, yeah, sure, I'll try it out. First class, oh yeah, you, you wrestled? Cool. Professor Mike held me in his guard for probably five minutes straight and I just struggled I was a fish out of water and I was like this is for me like I don't oh know that's awesome here. I was like this is I, I have absolutely no skill in this in this area and uh, I was like yeah sign me up and from there on man it just uh, it's just been my blood oh so. that's great now did you did you start with any folks there that like signed up at the same time that you did because we kind of got into a conversation yesterday Maybe it was just an online conversation. It was, yeah. There's still... In regards to people dropping out at the time that you signed up, or there's is there anybody that was still training? Yeah. So if in the sense of like same day, kind of, I can't tell you. I can tell you guys that I trained with then that I know definitely don't train now. Yeah. Um, there is uh, people that I, we'll just say from blue belt, right? When I got my blue belt, which was in twenty, I started in twenty thirteen, so I believe it was twenty. 2014 or 2015, um, it was it was a year that I, got, I had my white belt alternatively built. All those guys that I trained with, I think maybe one of them still trains uh, okay. on a can, maybe consistent basis. Yeah. Um, some of them, buddy of mine, I know that he had injuries. He's not able to do it any longer. Um, I know he would probably still be doing it. Um, and then other people, life happened. You know, one guy, I think he was like, I like Luke Tidemore. And I don't know if he really does any jiu-jitsu at all. Right, right. Uh, but I know like three of them for sure I can name like, they don't train jujitsu, and you know that's fine. You know it's not; maybe doesn't fit into their, you know, yeah. their life right now. But but yeah, the dropout rate I would say is pretty high from white belt, or just before you can get to blue belt. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. I I you know it's one of those, and I say this all the time because I live in a world of metrics. Um, metrics from the standpoint of you know a big thing in medicine right now is patient satisfaction and, and throughput of patients. But also we live in a, a world of metrics when it comes to decision making on therapies and medications and you know when is it when is it the right time to do X, Y, and Z for a dying patient. Yeah. And so we have supposedly what we think is hard evidence. <clears throat> I would say that evidence is dependent on what you have in front of you right now and that changes with time. But the issue with I think with jujitsu in particular is that nobody really keeps metrics of the business side of things. Because you might have one company that keeps their metrics. How many signups did we have this month? How many, you know, how's this particular location doing over the last six months? But you don't have it for all the all the smaller places. And I mean, it's just a hard thing to track. Sure. So everything that I say is more gestalt. But I always think that people, and this is just my own experience, that um, people tend to drop out right after they get their blue belt and right after their first competition. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. I don't have anything to back that up. Yeah. You guys have other people's stories. You know, yeah, yeah. what we base all of this. this yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're at this gym. Like, how yeah. many blue belts did you lose this week kind of thing? Yeah. And, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and I know Professor West said something to the fact he didn't think people dropped out. They just trained uh, uh, less frequent. Sure. 
Sure. Um, and I, I would, I would defer to his, his. I mean, he's been around that realm longer than I have, and I've never talked to Professor Reggie what he, he thinks. This is just my, my observation, which is definitely, if you ask my wife, definitely flawed. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I think the other thing is injuries. Injuries will, will, you know, because somebody takes a little time off, and it's like, you know. Um, an object at rest will tend to stay at rest and right. it's really hard to bounce back from that's why we have a training partner right now um jordan he had um he ended up breaking his arm in a competition right or it was so his hand his hand. his hand in his first competition in his first, first competition match, and um he's back in the gym with his cast or the splint on yeah 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 that next week he was back in the gym just soaking up information. Yeah, just hanging out and doing his thing. I mean, it was, he's limited on what he can do because of the injury. Um, but I almost feel like you ha- kind of have to do that because what happens is you take a week off, you separate yourself from the brotherhood or the sisterhood, and then it's hard to get rolling back on. Um, in regards to the, the, the little conversation that was taking place online, I just I hate to be a pessimist, but man, I've been in the martial arts for a long time. And there, it is really tough for people to stick with it. It's really tough with anybody to stick with anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and something as grueling as, as combat, um, you know, people are motivated, they're excited, and then you hit your lull and you hit that time where it now, now it's discipline. Yeah. You know, now at this point, it's a commitment that you've made, not the excitement of going on. And that, that, can, be, that can be tough. And, and I try not to be negative at all. I try to say, I, I want to say to everybody, look around this gym right now. You know, oh, look to your left, look to your right. Yeah. And, you know, but it's, man, it's really true because life, injuries, passion, it all kind of, it changes. And uh, so far, our group seems to be pretty strong at Gracie Baja Spring Hill. Those guys have been. The Spring Hill guys and girls, uh, ladies, have definitely had a really solid um, uh, family that they've, they've created there. And, yeah. you know, it's one that. Out of the places I've trained in the last six years, it, it's it's definitely been my favorite. Uh, I love Murphy's World. That was where I spent you know the beginning of my time. Right. Most people that I trained with um, definitely had a great time there. But um, to walk in and like not have that feeling of oh I don't want to train with this guy or I don't want to do that. There's not anybody that we've had at the gym that I'm like man that guy I'm just not going to roll with him today. No. Um, I think everybody's been uh, welcoming and then everybody wants to learn. Yeah. Um, I think that's played a huge part in everybody that has to, of course we lost people from day one um, like you said for whatever reason there's a plethora of you know family injuries whatnot but um, there's been a real uh, want to be there yeah and, and and the guys that are training the, they seem like they're there for the right reasons yeah, I think you started at the time and I know definitely when I started you didn't come to you didn't go to a jujitsu academy gym to get in shape, you came in because you wanted to learn how to fight. Definitely. It was one of those self-defense, and I just love to grapple. Like I said, right. growing up, watching the professional wrestling, that's just something that I've always been attracted to. Like, it just seems like fun to me. Like, why so, wouldn't you do this? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's you just know. Some people know when they're five years old, I want to be a doctor, or yeah. you know, want to be whatever. That was just one thing for me. Like, I always knew I wanted to grapple, and jiu-jitsu's been that, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm on, let's say, when I started, it was five days a week, right? I'd be in the gym five days a week because my schedule allowed me to do that. Now I've got two kids, want to spend time with my wife. Like, I'm in there twice a week, maybe three times if I'm lucky. But I just tell myself, like, okay, today, maybe I didn't feel like it, but I have the time, I need to go. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel a million times better when I'm there. I, I yeah. kick myself when I don't go when I know I have the time, yeah. even if it's an hour. Yeah, you know? yeah. Draculino, he came by, um, it was a couple of years ago. 
he came Dracolino. No, Dracolino. Oh, at the end. Um, he had came by uh, for a seminar, and his his daughter, I believe, was going to law school or doing something at Vanderbilt. So he was spending some time here in Nashville. And somebody had asked a question after his seminar, how does he stay motivated or something, which we can go on for hours even just about motivation. Sure, about, yeah. You know, whether it's something good or bad or whether does it really exist. Or you, I mean, you can have a long conversation about it. Um, he kept it pretty simple. He said he knew every time he trained, after he trained, he was going to feel better. Yes. And I think that that is... That's, that's part of that. If you can continue to get in the gym, if you continue to show up, if you can continue to do these things with a good group of people, right. um, it makes a world of difference. Um, you, you, you know that no matter how bad today is, I'm going to get a good training session. And that means whether I'm tapping all, all night, whether that's I'm learning something, whether I pull something off, it, you feel like you've, you've, you've gotten somewhere. Yeah. Um, and we'll get back to that and the reasons why you feel that way. Yeah. Um, uh, because there's one thing I wanted to bring up, I was supposed to bring up last week, and we didn't. And I don't. I want to talk to. I will talk about it while it's fresh, um, and it has to do. So we'll get back to that. Uh, but I don't want to skip over something that I did skip over last week, and I wish I didn't because I would have. I would have loved to have Jason and Professor West's input on it. And I wanted to know how you felt about it. You know, we do have a few what I call, at least in medicine, and we we call them talking heads. So there are people that kind of we we listen to, we kind of get their input. We may not agree with everything they say, but they're, quote, the talking heads of our specialty. Sure. Um, one of those people that P, uh, folks tend to follow is Keenan Cornelius, and that is uh, because he's a little different. You know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So much so that something happened at his former training center where I still don't even know if they've really talked about that. I know they've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, his, just you know, he had some differences yeah. and uh, decided to part ways cordially, and now he's opening up his own gym. But he had mentioned something on his podcast uh, that I thought at the time when I heard it, I I didn't think it was too offensive because I think I knew he where he was coming from on that and I think it might have been the way he said it and it had something to do with the fact that when he shows lapel guard he he like when he goes to a seminar he makes sure that if Helio I think he specifically said Helio I don't think he said Carlos right he said Helio Okay, that he would turn the, the photo. Yeah, he like puts it face down, <laughs> which, you know, I, that's not the headline that I read first. So when okay. I first heard it, it was, Keenan says Hicks and Helio are purple belts. Yeah, and, and you know exactly why? It, and so they did, and that was through the BJJ EE or the... Yeah, Europe. it was one of those. Yeah. Those assholes, man. <laughs> I don't ever like to say anything negative, and I'm not bringing this up because it's a negative. I think this is something in jiu-jitsu that people are talking about. I don't like sure. to bring up anything that brings any negative light to anything. Right. But I will say that those asshole headlines... That's because, media, man. <laughs> and, and I think they had pictures of Helio and Hickson with purple belts yeah, on like photoshopped, photoshopped yeah. in yeah. which is totally inappropriate because I don't think that's what he was trying to say but you said first he talked about the the, the photo being set down right did you hear his explanation yeah. for that after the fact I listened to that I went back and was like what is he talking about because I actually I follow him on reddit a lot uh, okay he posts a ton of he does right yeah so okay even if you don't like the guy personally for whatever reason like you should definitely check out his information just so you're aware of it which brings us to his point what he said was that in today's game of sport jiu-jitsu, not self-defense, in sport jiu-jitsu, Hickson and all of those guys that were masters then 
couldn't keep up to date. But that's all hypothetical. That was his point. Yeah. It's just a hypothetical, you know, what if kind of situation. But my understanding was it just goes for anything. Let's say you, you, you have your gym, you train your guys, but you don't train them to know what a barambolo is. How right. are you going to defend a barambolo if you've never seen it? Right. So that's really the, the conversation. It's not like, oh, they suck because, you know, they're they're old and they, you know, the jiu-jitsu is different. It's just like, no, today they probably just wouldn't know how to handle things without the proper training. I, I guess it's true. If, if their opponent would be allowed to get into the position to pull those things off, because yeah. everything's about position. Right. Um, and we, we bring this up a, a lot in striking, but it's... 100% applicable to grappling and any hell it's it's applicable to, to football I remember a guy I played with Abdul, uh, Abdul McCullough he ended up going to UCLA he was an all-American um, Abdul man that dude talks so much crap he would I remember our freshman year he didn't even play he's like coach put me in put me in coach I'm the greatest he thought it was like Muhammad Ali on the sidelines so he finally got a chance to play um, when he was a sophomore and he would pull off these plays you're like, how the hell did that just happen? Right. He would, you know, return a fumble for a touchdown. He would pick off of it. The secret for Abdul is he always put himself in the right location. Gotcha. And um, when I was really diving into striking with uh, David Key, when probably the striking coach that I owe the most to in regards to the way I look at striking as a whole, he talked more about putting yourself in the right position than anything else. It was all about positioning. And you feel that when you're striking because you always feel like oh, I can land that right cross. I can land that cross, but why isn't why can't I? Well, you're not in the right position. Right. And it, it leads into wrestling, leads into grappling. Sure. So I agree with Keenan uh, with a knowledge base. I'm curious if you really rolled with those guys. You take an old Hickson. Would he even allow you to get to the position where you could pull off a barrel ball? I guess that's a question. Because you you look at you look at his son. Um. Uh, I want to keep wanting to say Hoxon, but not Hoxon, but Cron. Um, uh, yeah. And he's very, he's like Padre Gracie, very old school jujitsu. Right. Closed guard. I don't see anybody pulling off leg locks on him, Baron Bolos. So, I mean, I understand his point. Sure. And I think it might be his way of entertaining the way he said it. Right. Um, and I think his face down picture of Helio is just like, he feels like the lapels are blasphemy. He said that, and I believe his excuse, or not his excuse, excuse me, his uh, uh, response video to the controversy was, I said that in jest. Like, it was basically, that was a joke of, you know, I don't want them to see, I think his words were, I'm paraphrasing, I don't want him to see the, uh, uh, what do we call it, the blasphemy. Or the bastardization. Of, of bastardization. Of, is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. blasphemy or bastardization? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, of the lapel guard, whatever yeah. created or whatnot. But it's, you know, um, I was watching uh, something, I think it was actually yesterday, and it was some old black and white videos. It was some guy who produced, I, I wish I could tell you who produced them, because they were actually pretty damn good. There were some comparisons of catch wrestling and jujitsu, okay. and it kind of went to the history of the Kodokan, and I'm, I'm really into that. Um, they were showing some old black and white videos, and guys are doing lapel guard. Oh, right. I, I wish I should have I, I should have like saved instantly that, yeah. saved it but I was like oh okay because I we all know like as Professor Reggie says all the time there's nothing new this is this stuff is right. people have done it I mean people have been grappling and doing judo jiu-jitsu for a lot longer than we've been around yeah, and have sure. developed things and done things um, from, that from what I, I've read and granted you know you can put anything on the internet to make it true yeah 
but it was essentially in the history of jujitsu of how we, how we got to where we're at today. It was like earlier Buddhists that were trying to find something that wasn't harmful in the sense of like striking or weapons mm. of how they would protect themselves when they were trying to spread Buddhism. Don't know how true that is. That's something I've read. It makes for a kick-ass like, story, it though. Like a great story. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about it in that sense, like yeah. well, it goes it goes back to the the benefit of of jujitsu that I is as far as a self defense that I've, I've said for years now is that if you try to use primarily striking as a self-defense art, there's no volume switch. If you're not at 10, you're at risk of being harmed. Sure, yeah. It's very hard to, unless you are absolutely world-class, and that's not what self-defense is about. Self-defense isn't about taking a world-class athlete and making them better at defending themselves. It's about taking any non-athlete, creating an athlete out of them, and having them be able to adequately defend themselves so they can go home alive at the end of the day. Right. And it's very difficult to do that in a striking art for a number of different reasons that we can talk about another time because we can talk about generating kinetic energy. Do you have the muscle fibers for that? Do you have, I mean, there is so much that goes into it, but the bottom line is if you're not defending yourself at a level 10, you're at, you're in danger of being harmed because you're within that striking distance. Um, Jujitsu allows you to go restrain, humiliate, kill, maim. And it has that volume switch. Um, because I think for a lot of people, like domestic violence, a lot of fights aren't with strangers. Sure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's that, it's that that's drunk true. cousin that you got. And, yeah. you know, so, um, uh, you, yeah, there's definitely some, whether or not that story is true, yeah. it's cool. And I will be repeating it <laughs> with the same preface that you gave. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were, you know, where we, uh, where we left off before I so rudely interrupted having to talk about Keenan and, and, and kind of addressing that because you know he is an interesting guy I, I I enjoy him and I don't think there's very many people in jiu-jitsu that I don't enjoy um, whether I do or don't agree with where they're coming from um, so I, I did want to talk a little bit about that and kind of clear the air of at least um, you know voicing kind of how our perspective whatever that's worth um, we had ta- touched on people dropping out and that going to jujitsu and, and feeling uh, good afterwards. And funny enough, uh, Josh Hanger and Keenan, I hate to keep talking about them, had made a comment about winning double gold at ADCC. And oh, they yes. said if they could cut off a finger, <laughs> would they do it to cut off a finger? Yeah. And I know it was just in jest and people are, you know, I, but. Is the benefit really winning the goal or is it the work that you put into it and the winning the gold is a, I shouldn't say small because that's huge, sure, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a small port, part of that journey. It's such a tiny, tiny part and the growth takes place during the training, during the right. struggling, during the waking up and not wanting to go to the gym and feeling better afterwards. Yeah. Um, it brings up that analogy of the, of the magic ghee. Or, or the story of the magic gi. If there was a magic gi that would instantly make you give all the knowledge of every master out there and you could put that gi on, what would the benefit of having that gi be? Yeah. You would have no personal growth. No, that's exactly right. Um, what have you, as, as far as your jiu-jitsu journey, because you've been doing this for a while now, um, do you have any specific instances or struggles or things that have gone on that you could see a direct... Because, I mean, and you've competed quite a bit. I mean, you yeah, just... I've been in several competitions. Yeah. Um, you know, mainly like Nagas and that kind of thing. I've, I've been to IBJJF once, which I'll be doing that again this year. Okay. Um, especially when I come back to Nashville, that'll be 
that's an easy, you know, easy oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. So but it's, it's kind of like, why, you know, if you don't do that, yeah. like something's wrong. And if you don't agree with me, let me know. I mean, you know, because is it more the, is it more standing on the podium or the road getting there? A little bit of both? So, no, I, I look at it, um, and it kind of goes back, so as far as motivation, right? And I, I've told all the white belts that started at Ritzy Boss, Spring Hill, um, anytime I've got a chance to roll with them, it kind of instill any bit of, like, little bit of wisdom I could give them. I always start with, you need to switch your mentality when you say you're tired, right? So hmm. the guys will say, like, oh, I'm tired. Like, you're not tired. Like, sure, maybe, like, you're, you're, like, physically, like, gas tank's running low, but in your mind, you're not tired. Your mind's not tired. Your body's tired. But uh-huh. if you tell yourself, and I always try to do this anytime I've, I've grappled is, I want to be first on, last off the mat. So if you're over there like, hey, Anthony, you want to roll? Yeah, let's roll. Sure, maybe I don't want to, but I'm never going to turn it down. <laughs> you're probably going to kill me for that five or six minute roll. But at the end of the day, like I learned, I got better, and maybe if I didn't even really technically learn anything, I survived. Right? Yeah. So that went into that goes into to what you're saying about um, you know when, when you put in the work, you know I achieved something in the sense of maybe I didn't get the gold medal. Like that's great. I like standing on the podium, but that's really not what I'm there for. Right. I, I was looking last night putting the belt up and everything and I have my, my last medal I won uh, from the last night I did uh, was that five months ago or whatever and I looked at it and said nobody cares about this I, I literally sat there and kind of had like that you know introspective conversation yeah. it's like nobody cares about this medal it's sitting in my closet nobody knows it's here like my wife like cool she's happy for me that I got the medal but at the end of the day like it means nothing except for the fact that like I put in the work and I know what I did to get there right. it just serves as a reminder other than that, I mean, the podium doesn't mean anything to me. It's not, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting sponsorships because oh, you won first, you're second at Naga, and that's great. <laughs> like, you're ten grand. But how important, <laughs> how, how important so, is it to have that that goal there? So you go through that training camp in your mind, or I know we're sure. just casual practitioners, so we don't have like an Autos training camp for ADCC or anything yeah. like that. I mean, but that, that definitely adds something. Yeah, if I was getting you know some kind of world achievement, or like maybe if people knew my name, like sure, that's gonna add something to that. But yeah. for me, it, it's you know it. I want to excel as a person, as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and I believe that every day I hit the mat, I can get better at that, and that's that's my drive and my motivation is um, just really getting better. Right? Yeah, that's kind of you know everybody's reasons different, right? Like it is. Know, so some people do it for self defense, some people do it for the get mm-hmm. in shape. Um, but I think what, what were we talking about earlier with like the the dropout rate? Um, right. Yeah, with that was you know you get people that come in there and they're like. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I want to get choked for for an hour or two hours or however long you're there for. Like pe- mentally, people, not everybody's there. That's not something that drives them. Um, whereas I think people like you and I have been doing this for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're obviously in this for the long run. Um, which I know I'm kind of like circling around here. But uh, one thing I wanted to say was professor yesterday. We're we're closing up, and he goes, "You're not leaving, are you?" I said, "Sir," huh? and he goes. Now that you got your purple belt, you're not leaving, are you? And I just, I had, I had a big laugh about it. I said, yeah, man, I'm done. I'm retired. Uh, <laughs> I did that, uh, that crowning achievement, which for a lot of people, like... It is. You know, because you hear, oh, once you get your blue belt, everybody drops out. So people hear, oh, well, if I get my purple belt, then I'm, I've surpassed all those people. Like, for right. them, that's, that's kind of a black belt for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. So for me, you know, when he said that, I thought about it for a second. I was kind of confused. I was like, oh... No, that's a real thing. Like, no, I'm not. I'm still gonna be here. You know, still yeah, training. Yeah. And if I could be here more, I'd love to. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was funny that he threw that out. So. Yeah, it's funny. Chris always <laughs> says, 
uh, one of our training partners uh, who's uh, primarily in Franklin, he says, I'm quitting right after I get my black belt. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he's a lot like Keenan. I think both his, him and his brother, are, they say things that are just, I think, funny. Um, and people kind of take it, the, they're like, what? Yeah. But, you know, I remember my son heard that. And he's like, is he really going to quit after you? No, he's not going to really. He's just, he's no, no, this is his humor. Don't worry about it. Yeah. He's not He's not quitting. Um, yeah, because I think that um, for us to excel on a level that helps our life, we have to be faced with really difficult challenges yes. all the time. Um you know, David Goggins says, do something that sucks every day, or he says something along those lines. Right. And I think for the average person, they don't quite understand that, you know, that human mind has a self-defense mechanism through years and years of trying to survive that it seeks the path of least resistance because really that makes the most sense in a world full of hardship, which is really what we've, if you take the human, all of human existence, we're only a very, very small part of time have we been this comfortable the majority of our human existence has been really about survival yeah small tribes short lives fighting every day to eat um and now we come into this what we think is a long period of time in reality it really isn't when you look at the total existence of the human species on earth we're now we're very comfortable i mean especially in this country i mean it's really rare for even our homeless folks to be hungry you know, um, uh, and I'm kind of talking out of my ass. I don't have, like, again, I don't have data to support that, but I certainly take care of a lot of homeless people in the emergency department. And and unless they're on meth, they're not really, they're most of them are overweight. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're, we're, so for years, our brain has, has developed an instinct of seeking the path of least resistance, which makes a lot of sense until you start living our lifestyle. And then what ends up happening when we seek the path of least resistance we become soft and we don't grow as individuals and we we don't we're not challenged in such a way that um makes our spirit grow and allows us to deal with the hardships of life which include loss of loved ones loss of job loss of lifestyle um sickness and illness that we might come in contact with so um it's it is really important i remember a coach of mine used to describe it as we've lit we turn into a society this would be um Coleman, Dr. Uh, I mean, Coach Coleman from El Camino, way back in the day, um, we had uh, we had a, a player, Dusty. His sister died uh, driving home one night. He had talked about how that's a that's a, a very difficult thing to deal with, especially as a teenager. Um, and he said, "But if you continue to take these paths in life where you don't break down the wall, that you go around the wall." You never develop the ability to deal with these hardships, yeah. these these very, very difficult things. And we live in a society now where we don't really have to be faced. Our biggest hardship is what if my tire, my car blows out and I'm late for work? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I mean, for the major, for the majority of us. Um, and so, you know, jujitsu does provide that continual hardship that people are excited about and they're motivated about when they first hit the door and they gain so much from it. But it. It's tough. It's that, tough to day in and day out go through that. I think if people really give jujitsu a chance and jump in, you know, kind of with both feet and, you know, uh, really delve into what jujitsu is, they learn that. And it's kind of to finish up my thought a while ago, and I, I know I kind of ramble a lot, uh, but jujitsu for me 
it doesn't end. Like I'll never say I had somebody text me yesterday, congrats on your purple belt. Like when do you when do you she said, When do you max out at black belt? And my response was just never. Yeah. You don't max out at black belt. Of course there's belts past black belt. But when are you going to max out, you know, with name a black belt that knows everything, you know, there's right. not, that's the beauty of jujitsu. Like you're always learning, you're always figuring things out. And that's the drive for me is, you know, there's always something to learn today when I hit yeah. the mat. Um, and the other thing you said earlier was just like the magic key, you know, it's kind of like a video <laughs> game, right? Get the video game, you put the cheat codes in and it's like, where's the fun of this? You know, sure. Okay. I beat the game in five minutes. Right. All right, what's next? Yeah, and I think that was you said that in your uh, your blog post was all right. What's that? What's next? That's what keeps us going. That's the, oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I think that there have been there's always something next. Thank God. Yeah. But I'll tell when I when I graduated from medical school, I still I look back on the pictures of that day, and I remember this feeling inside like, ah oh, shit. This is over. I need something more. Now, of course, I was going to go to residency right after that, which is a whole other challenge. Sure. But I do remember that that gut feeling that I've now accomplished something that a lot of people will say, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but a lot of people will, because I think it's an ego boosting thing, that'll say this is the hardest academic achievement you'll ever. Make. No, I don't think that's necessarily true. Sure. Um, that's yeah. that's very relative to the person. Right. Um, but in, in any case, something that maybe society would look at as a high academic achievement. Um, and I remember at that graduation taking pictures with people and doing things and having almost this empty feeling inside because now that was over with. Yeah. Um, and, and it was like, I can't wait to get to Penn State so I can start residency because I need to start that right now. And I have that same feeling when I drive home from a tournament. Yeah. There's a moment of relief, like, oh yeah, the training was done, I did this, okay, great. Sometimes it's beating yourself up over, god damn it, why did I put my hand there? Yeah. What did I? <laughs> so that's the thought going home. Um, but um, many times it's, okay, what are we doing next week? What are we working on? You know, what do I need to work on? Where's the next tournament? What are we? And I, I just think that that's a that is um, that wears on you, but you get so much growth out of it. Yeah. Um, there is, um, I, I want to say it's the talent code, um, and I can't remember the author of the talent code, but they dissect different uh, pockets of success throughout the world, whether it's tennis, wrestling, baseball. Um, and one of the questions, so, and they also take some case studies, and one of the questions that they ask to see success um, in individuals, and I can't tell you exactly how the study was done. It was, I think it was looked at, in, I could be wrong, it was some type of instrument, I think it was a type of instrument, I don't remember if it was piano, violin, or a combination of the, of the instruments, but they would say, um, we're gonna take a child, we're gonna have them practice 30 minutes a day for five days, and we're gonna ask them about their outlook. Is this something that you see you doing for the rest of your life? No. They practiced five days, they actually had the time in, and we took another subset of kids that practiced two to three times a week. And I think for less time, and again, I, I'm, I'm bastardizing this. Sure, sure. Um, they said, is this something you can look at that you'll be doing for the rest of your life? And it was yes. And they, at the end of a year, their skill set, the one that said yes, was typically higher than the one that said no. And I think that's the question that you got to ask yourself. Is this something I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Right. And I guess the best way of doing that is saying, if this had no belts, if we had no belts involved in this, and this was just like submission wrestling, would you would this be a part of your life until you're 85 95 years old sure yeah I mean, that's a that's a good question i think for me yes the answer yeah. would be yes like I'll, 
you know, the belt's a belt, but, you know, I wrestled also, and I learned yeah. early on, you know, how to push through the adversity, and, you know, they, they try and kill you for three hours every day, so you just kind of get used to that <laughs> crime. Like, <laughs> yeah. wrestling makes you a different person. I, I think that, you know, jiu-jitsu's great and wonderful, and I still think wrestling is one of those, like, I wouldn't be the same person or maybe have the same outlook on right. jiu-jitsu without wrestling. Yeah. Um, but in that, that, that same uh, uh, topic, I just saw Courtney Askren was talking about if you were raising your children to wrestle based off of trying to get an athletic scholarship, like, obviously you're doing the wrong thing. And it's yes. also, if you're pushing them at an early age to win national championships, you're doing something wrong because the, the grind that you're putting on a kid to, you know, five, six, sometimes seven days a week, depending on where you wrestle at, like, that puts a lot on you. And that makes you not want to do something. Oh yeah. So you know, with that, yeah. that study you're talking oh, about. Oh like, yeah, and 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 when I was uh, when I was when I was coaching wrestling up in Pennsylvania, um, this was a conversation I had with a lot of parents yeah. about what is your goal here? What is the goal? Because right now I, I coach the younger kids, and I would try to convince them because you get these disappointed parents that their kids didn't win or they lost two and now they're out of the turn. You know that they weren't. And I ask them, well, what, what kind of, what's your goal here? What are you expecting? You have to realize your eight-year-old, the wrestler that your eight-year-old is right now, is not going to translate into the wrestler that they're at as a teenager. It, they're not the same. Yeah. And I can tell you because I've been through it. It's it doesn't translate. Yeah. You might have a great wrestler that becomes a great teenager. You might have a really shitty wrestler that becomes a great teenager. You might have a mix of everything. But what's your end goal? The end goal really shouldn't be he's going to get a scholarship. He's going to be able to um, pay for college because I can't afford it or he may not be this champion that you never were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The goal of it is to put him through a grind, give them something that hopefully they're not exposed to in their environment. I mean, when I went to school, I had knots in my stomach almost every day. Like, am I going to get shot today? Am I going to get stabbed? You know, that was in your head. Like, I didn't go to a horribly violent school, but it was it was a rough place. Sure. Um, you know, the everyday growing up maybe without the best resources, you know, are we, even, I mean, I never went without a meal at night, but right. sometimes it was spaghetti with ketchup, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, is, is my father going to be drunk tonight? You know, it, how is it going to be a violent night at my home tonight? So these type of stressors, um, they build something in you. Now, when we try to provide for our children, when we try to have every amenity to them, when we try to send them to the best schools, what stresses are we really exposing them to? Yeah. Well, Wrestling. What I tell parents is, this is your conduit to expose them to those stressors, to make them a better person, not to have them win the medal, not to make them feel like a champion. A lot of this is just, hey, get back on the horse. You're going to win a match. It's going to happen. Right. It may not happen for a couple of years. I know kids that didn't win matches for a long time. Yeah. You know, you'll win one. Yeah. And when when you do that, you're going to learn an invaluable lesson that nothing beats hard work. Hundred percent accurate. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it, it isn't about the scholar. And you know, it's the funny thing is, and and I again, I don't have any data to support this. The majority of folks that I have had the opportunity to sit down with that have become professional athletes on a level that can support their extended family, I've never heard them say, "I was the kid that my parents took me to D one athletic training on my days off, that took me to every football camp, that did X Y, made sure I went here, made sure I did this." Right. They're usually the guys that, yeah, I kind of walked on in high school. I was pretty good. 
didn't have a girlfriend, went to one in college, college went pretty good, ended up going to pros. Yeah. It's never this story that they were raised to be a professional. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions. out. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. I just haven't heard of them. Right. Yeah. So it seems like when the intent is I'm going to make the next Peyton Manning, um, it may not pan out that way. And really, the, the A, the likelihood of that happening is incredibly low. And they're probably the same parents that play the lotto. Right. <laughs> thinking that that's their way out. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with having fun with it, but sure. don't think that shouldn't be your plan. Yeah. If, if, if that's your plan, you don't understand statistics. Right. And the real benefit of it um, is making stronger, harder individuals that can deal with things in life. And you you know that when you're no longer there and they're in charge of their own life, that they're going to try to hopefully have the best probability of making the best decision, not because it's the easiest decision, because they know hard work pays off. And, you know, when we, when we break away from our parents, I mean, I don't know about you, but besides my wife, there's no one directing my life. Yeah. I don't have the mom or dad telling me. And once we move out, we no longer have that. We never have. We don't have that check system right. of pick up your room. You're a slob. This is yeah. the right way to do yeah. things. We don't have that anymore. We become that for ourselves. Yeah. So unless we do something like jujitsu, what do we have reinforced in our life to make it harder? People won't do it. No, they definitely they don't want to. But, you know, you kind of get in the whole people throw the, the word snowflake out a lot. We've got a, a snowflake generation coming up. But um, however you look at that, I, I think about people are getting soft in that sense, yeah. right? And I remember, um, I don't remember if it was my first year of football or, or when it was, but make the long story short, I went to go try out for something. I, I think it was football. And I do remember going home, sitting on the steps outside, and I was crying my eyes out. I told my dad, I want to quit. My dad's like, you just signed up. You just started. He's like, you finished the year out. You made a commitment. You do that, then you, you don't have to sign up next year. But you're already Finish in. your commitment. Finish your commitment. And that stuck with me, like, through my whole life. It's like, your word, you know, that's that's everything. That's all you have, you know, yeah. outside of, you know, whatever else, money or whatever. Your word is what people are going to bank on. And, uh, you know, that applied to wrestling, jiu-jitsu, whatever. It's, you know, I've started this. I've got to finish it. And... Back to the beauty of jiu-jitsu, it doesn't finish, you know. So it's I'm kind of I'm held to this marriage of grappling now <laughs> uh, because it's, it's been ingrained in my head from yeah. from my dad. It's like man, you made a commitment, you got to do it. So, yeah. You know. well, how, how old was you? Was your dad older? Was he? No, my dad. Uh, my dad had the happy accident of at nineteen. Uh, Gaining a child. So. Okay. 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 Yeah. Because that almost sounds like an older generation. As as much of the, the things I'm publicly, when I say publicly with my friends, very open about not such a great relationship with my dad. Um, uh, he did come from. He he was raised during the depression, and he's definitely the. You know, I think his response to what you said, the snowflakes, was hard men make easy times. Easy times make soft men. Yeah. And. Um, uh, he would say the exact same thing. If you start it, you finish it, you don't have to do it again, but you're, you're finishing. There's no option. Yeah. You, you are a man of your word. And that seems like a very, um, we see it with, I see that a lot with, um, you see that a lot in, in folks from Brazil. They're right. very like, this is my word. I stand by my word. You see that a lot in our older generation. We almost have this culture of uh, the ends justify the means now. So, oh yeah, I felt that way earlier, but I don't now, so I'm not committed to what I told you earlier. Yeah. 
people, people yeah. <laughs> and and, and the only person like Jordan Peterson would say that that's not that that's that's the that's the the downfall of not being truly honest with yourself is because you're not going to gain the benefit of being true to your word. Right. You yeah. will pay for that. You will pay for that somewhere along the line. And uh, being true to your word allows you to be committed to things. Um, yeah. And that's what breaks through motivation, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. It just I, sounds I, like your dad was older, an older dad to say something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he has a lot of wisdom. Uh, I, I say, you know, people, they're surprised that I'm, I'm 32 because I, I have gray hair. Anybody that knows me knows that it's like my prominent <laughs> future is my, my gray hair with a, a bit of a baby face. It is usually how people describe you, baby face with gray hair. Yeah, yeah. and uh, or this one guy who, who came into trap jiu-jitsu said, yeah, that old guy with, uh, with the gray hair. <laughs> the professor's like, who needs the things like that? Anthony, he just laughed. But... Uh, but yeah, so like my dad was the same. I think it's just all the gray hair we have, that yeah. uh, genetic wisdom that just yeah. goes through. So, but I mean, my grandfather, my great grandfather, great grandfather's from World War II. Um, you know, just one of those like they passed. He was a farmer, passed yeah. on their wisdom, and you know, it just kind of it, it stuck. You know, yeah. my dad, he's a hard worker, he's a doer, and you know, his his thing was family first, and you know, whatever he needed to do, you know, that was uh, that's his thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess. Sure, he's got old wisdom, yeah. but yeah. yeah. In, in, in my experience of treating literally thousands of people from different occupations, yeah. the one of the toughest, I got some surprises for you with tough people. Yeah. Jockeys are tough as hell. Jockeys? Jockeys are tough as hell. That's interesting. Oh my God. Yeah, because there's always somebody up for their job. So they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're tough as hell. Farmers have to be some of the toughest people I've ever met in my life. And and probably the most unhappy people I've ever met. <laughs> Nothing's good enough. <laughs> but tough, awesome work ethics. So yes. that's got to be kind of where it comes from. So what would you, because we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour now, and I don't want to eat up too much of your time. But um, so if you had somebody that the, the struggle um, was wearing on them, a training partner that um, was having a little bit harder time making it to practice, and you noticed they weren't there quite as much, um, is there anything in particular that you would say to them to try to, I, I hate that motivation thing, but uh, maybe to get them committed back on? I mean, ultimately, it's our own decision. But sometimes, you know, like uh, Professor West was saying last week, he almost quit at Blue Belt. Right. Yeah, I did. I did listen to And, that, yeah. you know, it was a conversation that he had with Professor. And if there's nothing that we can't, you know, there's, you know, when we're dead, we're dead and there's very few things that live on, but sometimes our influence on people who will later on influence other people is an incredible thing that we can leave when we're gone. If you could leave that with somebody or help somebody through that struggle, is there anything particular that you would say to them about the beauty of the struggle or to keep them motivated, to keep them coming back and maybe not leaving this wonderful, leaving this huge opportunity that very few people really encounter and stick with? Yeah, and I think that's kind of, you know, that is the thing. It's just, it's a, it's a unique you know, a journey uh, mm-hmm. that you go on. And I told a guy, uh, he, he just started jiu-jitsu at, at the Murfreesboro location. Um, he, he works with my dad. My dad's like, man, I'm going to start jiu-jitsu. Oh. So he had messaged me, and, and we talked, and uh, he's like, man, I just don't have a lot of time. And I said, man, once a week, you know. Yeah. That's, that's all you need to start. It doesn't matter. I, I've been to the same thing. I've taken months off, you know. I've been doing this six years, had two kids, and... You know, I just had a baby that that's not gonna allow me to do jujitsu right now. So, just get out there and do it. You know, if you only have an hour out of your week, that's an hour you can go do it. That that keeps you motivated. Oh, you that's know? huge. Yeah, uh, that's that's really the thing that I tell anybody is just do it. You know, it's a stole it from Nike, but 
but it's true though, man. Like, yeah. there's nothing I can't make you want to be here. I can't make you want to do jujitsu. But if there's a little bit of you in the back of your mind that goes, I know I want to be here. I just have a plethora of excuses stopping me. Just come once a week. And, and you know, the thing is that I mentioned before. I think you know, definitely when I started, the gyms were all fighters. Places like Gracie Baja, and I think more gyms are catching on to this with fundamental classes. You can do it once a week. Yeah, without a doubt. And once a week will turn into twice a week. And you're not necessarily going to be in there with the pro athletes, but you're going to be in there getting some exercise to the point where you're not risking injury, that you're there with good people, and they all have the same goals. So I think that's an excellent piece of advice. I feel like that goes with sometimes you need a reset. I know for me, ah. let's, say, let's say I've been training for four days a week for years straight right that was that was my journey for a while there and then you know you kind of feel maybe stagnant or this isn't really like I'm not getting anything out of this maybe you are you just don't realize it it's yeah kind of like you don't know what you have till it's gone so maybe you go on vacation for a week or maybe you only come to class once a week you know whatever that is you come back and it's like either i don't know you feel better about things maybe you give your body time to recoup you know there's mental uh you know you need that mental rest Sometimes yeah that plays a big part in it so you know, for somebody who was, to answer your question, hey man, I'm just not feeling it right now, you know, reduce your training a little bit, but don't stop. You know, that's don't the main thing Don't stop. If, yeah. you, if that's, it's a snowball effect. Jiu-Jitsu is one way down the hill or the other. If you stop going, that snowball's going to get bigger, you'll never come back. If you keep going, eventually you'll get back into a better routine and you'll, you know, you'll feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, that would be my, my, my piece of advice. Yeah, and I find like off. two days off and I'm, I'm, I can't go more than two days off. I want to get back in there. Oh, my wife's like, hey, you need to go to jiu-jitsu. Yeah, <laughs> 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 first schedule, my, <laughs> my jiu-jitsu is a little bit based on her schedule right now. Okay. Unfortunately, that's just the way it works for us. But it's because she's supportive. Yeah. Does she give you the stare and say, you're acting like an asshole, you better go? Oh, I it, get that yeah, all the time. Yeah, if, if I don't go, like, if I miss a week for whatever reason, if I only went once that week, come, you know, Saturday, hey, you know, they've got Saturday class, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know they have Saturday class. She's like, you, you should go. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do a Saturday class. It's, no, normally it's Monday, Thursday. <laughs> Well, Coach, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming by, um, spending your Sunday sitting down with us and um, just helping to add to the community, the old dog BJJ community, um, helping old guys kind of stick with it and being a resource for folks that um, so they don't quit and so they stay on this journey. Because we're not all, uh, was it here at Cleese talks about, I don't know how many he gives for an example, out of a thousand soldiers, 90, what? what does he say, like 800 or 80, whatever it is, you know, basically 80%, they're good people, but they really don't need to be on the field. And right. then you got yeah. the other 15%, they're warriors and God bless them. But there's like the one or 2%, I know this math isn't adding up, that <laughs> that, um, that are the, the true, true, true war. Hell, we're not all there. Yeah. We're not all that. We all have our breaking points. We all have our... Um, we're just not all that. And some of us need to hear from our, our professors, our friends, our training partners. And uh, I don't think that's a sign of weakness. It's just a sign of being real and who you are. And uh, sometimes words from people that you that look up to you. And you got lots of people in the gym that look up to you, man. Um, I think it, it makes a big difference to hear those things and how we feel. I know it makes a difference in my kids when they hear stories like that. Yeah. I know it makes a difference to me, um, whether it's hearing about how people have struggled and you realize, Hey, I'm not the only one. I'm normal. This is good. I can, I can do this. Yeah. It plays a huge role and lives on longer than we do. Oh, yeah. So brother, uh, thank you, man. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I'll, I'll add one thing. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. I was telling my wife about this the other day, you know, you 
Metro Brown Belt, and uh, which I didn't say at the beginning of the podcast. Congratulations! Oh, we, thanks, we man. About the program yeah. a little bit, but yeah, the yeah. I don't only talk about myself. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's part of what we like. I love to talk. Oh, I love to talk, and I'll tell you stories. But when it's a new accomplishment, yeah, um, yeah, I even have a hard time when kids say, "Hey, what happened at work last night?" And you know, I have like a good stabbing or shit. I don't, I don't know. I tell them about a week later. I don't know some mental defect I have but <laughs> thank you thank, thanks <laughs> thanks but, for the thanks for the congratulations thank yeah you. but you uh, so you, you know professors they speech you know oh man so, I was not expecting first yeah. of all I wasn't and somehow my I guess my wife knew she works out with professors uh, wife Carla they, they they work out together and um, I honestly Amy did not spill the beans oh yeah and you know I'm stressed now because now I'm with in the same division as Jimmy and you know he's <laughs> Can kill me <laughs> there's no there's no competition there so i'm like damn it do i have to go to a heavyweight for the next time yeah. Right? yeah oh yeah yeah definitely right. definitely but i mean i was i was so off guard that i you know i spoke from the heart but it wasn't i never i'm ready to give a speech when i get my black belt like yeah. 50 years from now sure yeah, you were yeah. Right. no yeah. no man i wasn't i the, wasn't the, at the, all in the room though once you get your brown belt because i wonder who knew and who did i didn't I had no idea, and I was I was surprised, but in a pleasant way. Yeah. Because I definitely thought you you were at that, you earned that, and but I was Thanks. just like, oh wow, that's awesome! Like you got yeah. a brown belt, and you know, it's just this like I could tell you were stunned. It wasn't oh, something yeah. you were. You were just ready to... Yeah, there was like a little tear. I'm like, no tears until a black belt, I dude. Like, I was like, you kind of like, like touch the cheek a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, no tears till black belt. No, I can't do that. Yeah. But you, you gave your speech, and, and even though it was like probably one of your shortest speeches I've heard from you, <laughs> uh, I was like, man, anytime you talk in jiu-jitsu, I feel like I'm going to church, right? Like, I'm not... Outside of jiu-jitsu, I don't go to church. That's, you know, but... When you talk, I'm like, man, I want to be here. I want to listen to you. Oh, thanks, that's, man. That's the cool thing I, I like about your podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks. Like, yeah. Definitely listen to this. So hopefully more people jump yeah. on this. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate just the amount of folks that we had. You know, we had some issues uh, getting this onto iTunes. I guess there's some delay, especially when you're newer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the metrics that I have um, are just from people going to the website. But the last time I checked, and this was a few days ago, just that page alone had over 300 hits. I don't know how many people are actually listening. And honestly, I really, you know, you say, oh, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, there's always that great feeling. Sure, but yeah. the, the whole idea yeah. is just, you know, our, our, our jiu-jitsu brothers and sisters that we come in contact with, if it gives them something to listen to when they're bored on the way to work, great. You know, um, if you listen to 10 minutes of it and turn it off, great. Um, this is just something to, just to do a little project. We'll and yeah. yeah, yeah. And if people enjoy it, awesome. And if they don't, that's okay. You know, that's why I don't leave it open to comments. I don't want any negative vibes. And I definitely don't. I'm trying not to bring out any negative vibes. And I'm very much against us trying to promote anything negative. Yeah. Um, and it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen, especially with my dumb ass. <laughs> um, you know, you start getting emotional. You start getting emotional about things. And you say, but that, that's not the goal. So anyways, thanks a lot, man. I really do appreciate your time. Um, and then until next time, you know, we'll, uh, we'll just, everyone out there, keep training.